Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is made possible thanks to Black Ballad's membership community. To find out how to join our community of professionally ambitious, socially conscious and culturally curious black women, visit the link in our show notes. listening to another episode of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide with me, Jen Della Benson, head of editorial at Black Ballad. And let's get straight into it. Teenagers, am I right? We joke about how terrible toddlers can be, but I feel like teenagehood is a whole other thing. And I say this because I was once a teenager and I remember exactly how me and my friends were. Most mothers will tell you that nothing can really prepare you for life with a newborn. But given that we have a bit of a run-up, can we at least brace ourselves for life with a teenager? Well, let's find out. My name is Jamelia. I've worked in the entertainment industry for, I think, over 20 years now. Um, I'm a mother of four and um, I'm a wife. (laughs) <laughs> I, I always I always feel a bit funny about which order I should say those in but anyway <laughs> um yeah I'm I'm a black woman who lives in Britain oh, and I live in Birmingham live born and raised in Birmingham and a very proud Brummie <laughs> just as a heads up I spoke to Jamelia nearly a year ago now so if you hear some references to ages dates or other time related things bear that in mind And because Jamelia is a very humble babe, I need to top up her introduction just a little bit. She is a singer-songwriter who has had eight UK top 10 singles, four MOBO awards and nine Brit award nominations. And her illustrious career has seen her transition from the radio to RTV screens as actor, panellist, host and black woman thriving. Her path to stardom began in Birmingham, where she had a great time growing up. Whenever I look back at myself as a teenager, I just I just smile. Like, I just had a lovely... I just feel like my childhood, um, for me, well, especially as a teenage girl... I didn't have any of like that kind of angst or like I wasn't worried about my body or anything like I was little and skinny and short and but I just 
I don't know. I just I just really wasn't bothered about it. I was a bit of a geek or a lot of a geek, I should say. Um, I went to um a school called uh, my secondary school was called Kingshurst City Technology College, which was basically a school for geeks, and I loved it. Like absolutely loved it. Um, and I, I really feel like I came into my own when I was there. Um, but yeah, I just just yeah in Birmingham, music was a huge part of my life. I love to cook. Um, I love to boss joke. Um, yeah, it wasn't you know there was nothing really major I would say happened. Uh, for me as a young black girl in um in my teenage years um other than cable tv coming over and me being heavily influenced by americans and you know moesha mary j blige and monica um but yeah as i said like music was my life <laughs> it was my absolute life um but yeah I, I, I just think it was beautiful it was great i was very confident and um and I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to kind of grow and be raised in that kind of, I was in a very warm, loving environment and I felt, you know, celebrated. I felt beautiful um, and I felt worthy. So, um, yeah, and I definitely think it played its part in how I chose to live my life moving forward. So far on The Survival Guide, we've focused on the baby and childhood stage but we haven't really dug into the wild, wild west that is teenagedom. And even if your child hasn't yet learned how to roll over, it's definitely worth considering what may come. When we think about children, we always think about preteens. We always think before that stage and, you know, what's best for them. And um, all I can tell you is bloody hell, the teenage years. We, like, we, need, we need like those books and, you know, like there's so many books about babies and toddlers and weaning and all of that stuff. Please, somebody write a book about the teenage years, especially teenage girls. We need help. <laughs> we need help. Because, boy. <laughs> that boy was serious, isn't it? So let's get to the teenage tea. So my eldest daughter's 20, just turned 20. Um, so she's just come out of her teens, thank God. Um, and uh, my 15-year-old is um, literally, she is Kevin the teenager. She is literally, you know, the thing is as well, like we have this preconception that like, you know, well, black kids wouldn't do that. Black, pe black kids don't do that. Like black people, there are a lot of things that culturally, you know, just our morals and our rules are different. But please don't think that that means they're not going to test you you please don't think that you are just like I'm not gonna lie I, I and and I don't know how bad this is gonna sound but I contemplate violence at least once a week at least once a week and you know I am very much against any form of violence but I'm just saying I'm not I just I want to be transparent I don't want you know if you if you're if you're in that situation I want you to know you're not alone Carl why what <laughs> and I think a large part of it is the lack of conversation around um, parenting black teenagers in particular, because like we um, experience as black women, we know that their experience of life in the UK is unique. It's unique and it's different. And so we might watch a programme or whatever about teenagers, but 
it's you know it's always I mean it's always the thing is it's intersectionality but then you have to include the um the fact that I mean with me they're females as well so there are a lot of things that they experience that I can recognize but then there are added pressures like social media that kind of you know at times you're um you're wrestling with certain things like for instance one of the issues that I'm having at the moment with my 15 year old is um her thirst for for information but it's like why are you looking at that why are you looking this off like do you want to be like cardi b and it's like no but i just like it and it's like but why do you like cardi b and i mean i like cardi b too i have to say (laughs) but i don't want my 15 year old to like cardi b (laughs) and there's things like that there's things like that, those kind of, of contradictions, because all of us have, well, I think anyway, I'm, 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 I'm generalizing, but I feel like all of us have a little bit of ratchet in us, especially if you've come from a certain place. Do you know what I mean? We, we, we have different sides and we should be able to be all things, but I'm not quite sure that my 15 year old is ready to kind of I don't even think she's developed her own identity yet. So it really worries me that she's introducing these types of identities. And she's not not just that she's introducing to it, she's gravitating towards it. Like when I tell you, I have tried to lock down Instagram, lock down TikTok, she she doesn't have YouTube, but she still finds a way to interact with the with the media. And it's just like ah, what am I supposed to do (laughs) other than box her down? But I'm not boxing her down. I'm just letting you know, I would never, ever hit my children. But but I'm just like, because, and another thing as well is, is I think to myself, is it because I'm not licking you down that you still defy me? Or is it just because you're a teenager? And because I don't recall ever defying my mom. And I don't know if that's weird. I don't know if, you know, but that being said, my 20 year old, she was like me, she's never broken any of my rules. And it's kind of like, so what happened to this one? Like, why is she so brazen and brave? (laughs) But at the same time, I think that a lot of her attributes will really serve her as a black woman in Britain. I think, you know, her bravery and her confidence and her her entitlement, her, um, you know, she believes I deserve to be here. I should do everything. And I kind of think, I wish I felt like that at 15. I wish I had that level of, you know, you can't chat to me. And the thing is with her as well, being my child, she also has the information. She can have an intellectual conversation with anyone. And sometimes I wonder, oh, have I taught her too much too early? Because she can sit around the table and discuss anything that we're discussing. And you're just like, oh, but you're a child, but you know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, uh. You know, and it's... um. It's a minefield. <laughs> I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> I think I just needed the opportunity to rant. <laughs> think back to the biggest problem you had with your parents or caregivers as a teen. I'd confidently guess that a lot of those problems had to do with communication. Sometimes it feels like you're speaking a different language entirely from your parents, unable to understand or see things from each other's points of view. I think one of the greatest lessons I've learned is to be honest with them. And when I say be honest, be honest about yourself. Um, 
there are so many feelings that teenagers have that they think they're the only person going through it. And I remind them all the time. I I was a teenager, you know. The other day I was talking to my 15-year-old about my first kiss and she couldn't stop laughing. And but I liked it because it was kind of like... Because to her, she was like... Mom, like my mom kissed someone at a bus stop, you know, to her, like she, she's, she's never known me to even get on a bus. So to her, she's like, what? And it's really, it's really important to me for, for them not to think that I'm some holier than thou character that, you know, I, I, I speak to them honestly about my flaws, about my fears, about, you know, my mistakes and, um, and obviously my successes and stuff like that. But I feel that it's really important that they, they understand I am a person, I was a teenager, and that I understand whatever it is that they are going through now. You know, and also making sure that those lines of communication are open and being very honest about that communication. So I'm very happy, and this is going to sound really bad, but I'm very happy to tell my children, you know, the way you're getting on my nerves right now, like, you know, I, I, I can't have this conversation with you right now, but let's let's come back to this and I'm going to explain to you why it's a problem. Um, and we have these discussions a lot of the time. And I do think they are important. I think all forms of communication and hopefully, well, not hopefully, my daughters are also very willing to communicate with me as well. Sometimes, sometimes... As a Jamaican parent, I think... Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say I'm Jamaican, but I am Jamaican. Anyway, <laughs> as a Jamaican parent, um, there, there definitely is this thing in my head, like, nah, they're being feisty, they're being feisty. But then it's kind of like, oh, no, but they're communicating. And I have to, you know, I have to take on board. Think about what you're going to say back. Don't don't, don't cuss them, like, you know. So it's, it's a very, very, yeah, a great learning experience. <laughs> All right, here's a challenge for you. Write a horror story in three words. I'll go first. Secondary, school, playground. If it's not peer pressure and bullies, it's teachers stretched too thin and under pressure. If it's not teachers and their biases, it's a curriculum that often feels like it leaves the best interests of our kids on the wayside. Jamelia has chosen to home educate her kids and she explains why. For me, it's very important, especially with our black children, that we um, send our children out into the world whole because we know that the world is going to is going to attack them, you know, in some way, shape or form. And so um, for me, I know that one of the things that carried me through um, because I went to an all white school, even though I didn't have any issues there. But I feel maybe I didn't have any issues because I was so empowered by the time I got there. I was so confident. Um, and, you know, I knew so much about myself, about my history. Those things are really important, I think, to to empower our children with before they even step into the schoolroom. But also self-esteem wise, I think they need to, you know, value themselves, value their education, their knowledge. And for me as well, I think the type of education that we give to our children is really important. Um, we are given a curriculum and we're told this is what's important, this is what's important. And yes, as a black British child, um, it's not always relevant because the curriculum is for the average British child, which is not our children. That does not include our children are not the average British children. So therefore, we have to be responsible for the education that we give our children. And I also do understand that it's not always um, it's not always possible for people to homeschool. I know that I'm truly fortunate to have that ability. 
that being said, um, what I would advise is to at least provide a supplementary education to your children. And that includes topping up on whatever it is they're learning. You know, um, I think one of the greatest things that our children suffer with is a lack of confidence. So even when it comes to maths or English, when when the teachers are telling them or telling us over their heads that, you know, oh, they're not good at this and they're not good at that, those things stick in their head and they become messages that they internalise. And we have to do all we can to kind of combat that. And I think... um, yeah, that's why I'm a huge advocate for home education. I think if you can, you should. But if you can't, then supplement it with, uh, with, with more education and, um, and, and an education that applies to your child. It's really important to me to um, speak life into my children. I just think, you know, the importance of our words and how we describe our children, how we, particularly in this um, era of social media, um, you know, how we describe our children's hair, how we um, speak about them in in their presence. Like, I think we really need to... um, I don't know, just be careful. Like, I've noticed so many things that I might have said and thought it was really harmless and has really profoundly affected my children. And also, I think we always have to invite our children to um, family meetings are really important in my house. We have a family meeting. Anyone in the house can call a family meeting. I don't know why I gave that rule out because we have a family meeting very often. But... They're really great because it, it's it's an opportunity to respectfully bring your issue to the table. Um, and, and it also teaches them how to communicate effectively and, and respectfully. Um, you know, even my three-year-old sometimes calls family meetings and, you know, it's just like, okay, okay. <laughs> and but but we do take it, we do take her seriously because we want her to to understand that this is how it works and this is, you know, she's just blatantly just copying whatever she's seeing, but you know. We had one yesterday and it was about um, whether or not the garden is our home or the ant's home. Because she was like, yeah, but it's our garden. <laughs> the ants can't live here. And it was, yeah, that's the extent of her, of her meetings. But, you know, it was important to her to talk about this. And it was like, OK, let's go. So, you know, healthy, healthy tr- traditions and routines and just things. And for me, being able to advocate for yourself and talk and, and put your point across and, and defend yourself as well. I think those things are really important. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The politics of garden ownership are a very serious affair that should be taken seriously if the toddler in your life has their concerns. But the major issue of our day for adults, teens and children alike is social media and the internet. 
it's something that I find hard to moderate for myself. So I asked Jamelia how she handles it with her teen. Mm, I think it's the biggest thing. Um, and I think personally, I think we should be unafraid to limit our children's social media use. We know we know how it affects us if we're if we're uh, interacting with it excessively. Um, my twenty year old, even though she's only just stopped being a teenager, she was the last generation who grew up without social media. So I and I do think that there it's no coincidence that my fifteen year old is the one who you know she pushes the boundaries a lot more, and I think it's because she's influenced a lot more because she um, interacts with um, you know I. I so I tried the cold turkey, like no social media, absolutely whatsoever. But then there's that whole FOMO and then they go the, all the other way where she's trying to type it into the, the, the home computer and then delete history and all of that and becoming some sort of um, internet genius. Like, no, no, no. Um, so what I do now, um, we have um, something called a screen time. So she has an iPad and she has a phone, um, but... I limit her use so she's um you know she has 15 minutes on all her social media so that's all she has per day um at night she's got to give her phone in and her ipad in and we keep it in our bedroom um and and and, and i understand she just thinks we're completely archaic because everybody else at school nobody else at school. i'm like i did i do not raise nobody else at school i they are not my kids so you know luckily for you this i'm your mom and and that's just how it is and um i think as a teenager she interprets it as trust but for me i see it as safeguarding i see it as you know i have i i have to do every single thing i can and even sending your child to bed with their phone, you got to think, whoever's in your child's phone, would you let them in your child's room at that time of night? Would you? And it's like, nah, you wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. Nobody's even allowed upstairs in my house, so nah. <laughs> and I kind of think, you know, things like that, it's just, you know, I'm a little bit no-nonsense, to be fair. And, um, and I, I understand that my daughter thinks it's excessive, but hopefully we'll treat her good in the long run and with my three-year-old now I don't think she's ever having a phone because I think that that was a big mistake that I made like yeah social media is the devil man but that being said follow me on Instagram and that because <laughs> I, I love it <laughs> everyday contradiction <laughs> Now, we can't talk about parenting teenagers without talking about the difference between generations and how our parents' generation dealt with our own teenage nonsense. And it's something Jamelia has given a lot of thought to. Definitely. So um, I grew up in a typical... My mum's Jamaican um, and she was a single parent. Um, and I, I don't know if I look back on my teenage years as um, romantically, but... I think becoming a mother, I have so much respect for how my mom held it down and, 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 you know, how she dealt with us. But in honesty, I kind of feel like her, the way that she raised us was kind of harsh and kind of, you know, um, I, I guess you'd describe us as latchkey children as well. So I was doing things like cooking, you know, cooking the dinner, cleaning down the house. I never had a problem with doing any of those things. It was always, I'm helping my mom. Let me ask my 15 year old to sweep down the stairs. Anyway, <laughs> I I would say that with my mom, so I was the eldest child of my mom's and I had two younger brothers. And with my mom, I kind of felt like I was her 
right-hand woman. So anything that she wasn't doing, I would do. You know, her the kind of traditional duties we'd say I would do. That being said, my brothers were also taught to do those things, but I would kind of definitely take on a parental role, I would say. And that was one thing that I really wanted to avoid with my children. So it was both the, the harshness, I wanted them to... I wanted them to feel respected and I also wanted them to understand that they had a voice in the house. Um, and I also didn't want my, particularly my oldest child, I didn't want her to feel like the parent um, of my 15-year-old. I've since had another daughter. She's three years old and I have a bonus son who's 11. Those two have obviously only come into our lives in the last four years. But I, I kind of feel like I've, I've definitely been intentional about certain things. But then there's a lot of things where, you know, where my mum my really encouraged my creativity. She encouraged my ideas. Um, she supported supported um my my ambitions and um and I, and I think also as well like her parenting of me was kind of like a rebellion against her pa her parents so I, I I dread to think what that was like because I, I still kind of can describe it as a little bit harsh you know what I mean um and so maybe my kids will go on to describe me as a little bit harsh but you know I, I saw it go but um yeah it's um I, I, for me, my dream is always to for my children to be and do better than I did. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, I don't mean like materialistically or anything like that. I just mean I want them to feel well-rounded and happy and worthy and, and not have to fight for their... Um, I, I don't want them to have to do the work. And I know that sounds so bad, but... I, I don't want them to feel like struggling black women at any point in their lives. I want them to feel whole. I want them to feel worthy. I want them to feel confident, um, empowered and entitled. Even, even that feeling of entitlement, like it's a strange thing to say, but there are many, many children out there who walk with that air of entitlement. And it's like, why can't our kids do the same? Why shouldn't they? Jamelia has had the bonus experience of being a parent at different stages of her life and I definitely wanted to tap into her motherhood wisdom in that respect as well. I was pregnant as a teenager with my 20-year-old. Um, I had her when I was 20 though um, and then I was in my 20s when I had my 15-year-old and then my 30s when I had my three-year-old and um They've been three totally different experiences. When I was a teenager, I was completely fearless, felt completely ready for motherhood. I was I was so confident. I was like, yeah, man, I've got this. And I did feel like that, to be honest. I really did. When I had my second daughter, I was like, right, this is hard, you know. Because <laughs> um, I think I underestimated how much support I actually had with my first daughter. I lived with my mom. Um, I had plenty of aunties and cousins and, you know, brethren that would help me with my daughter but with my second daughter I moved to London and um and had her there and it was yeah that feeling of kind of isolation but not only that like raw have I really been using that much help like, have I been leaning on people that much but um yeah that was definitely a challenge but um I was fortunate enough to be able to um have not living but part-time childcare um so I had to basically pay somebody to come and help me um, look after the kids because I was still working. Um, and then with True now, my my youngest daughter, um, I was 36 and 
again, you kind of, I, no, you do not, no, 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 no. I was just about to lie and say, yeah, I feel like I've done it all before. No, I totally felt like a new mother. So, um, Tiani was 12 at that time and she, she's now 15. She was 12. So there was a 12 year gap between my children and everything had changed from you have to now lay the baby on the back. And it was like, yeah, but when I had Tiani, you were supposed to lay her on the front and what? And and then, you know, and just like different laws and, and then you, you, there's car seats and, and I can't use the old car seat. That I don't, don't ask me why I still had a car seat 12 years later, but I did. And, but now it's not, I'm not allowed to use that car seat anyway. And I was like, okay, it felt like, I really felt like a new mom. And this is going to sound like such a weird thing to say, but also being in a loving relationship. And it was like, oh, you're going to help me. Oh, I can go, I can go to sleep. And you're going to, okay. And you're going to look after the baby. And I'm like, okay. And even that, like navigating, being... I mean, I mean, I've been married before, but being, I, I don't want to, the thing is with me, when I talk, I don't want to disrespect anyone else, but it's kind of like being properly married, like, you know, what marriage is supposed to be, like that kind of 50-50, um, I don't know, just, just being very well looked after, you know, and, um, and also being, you know, with a Ghanaian, like of kind of getting used to the African way of life and, um, and how African families do it is just beautiful, um, you know, that whole kind of, there's a real focus on looking after the mother after giving birth. That was something I was just like, like you don't, can't all be my business like this, but it was just like, this is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. And and I'm truly grateful for that. So there was a lot of, um, of change, I would say, each time. Um, but I definitely feel, I, I think I feel, I felt confident with each, pregnancy and each child and um you know the mother that I am to true is obviously light years away to the teenager that had Tasia <laughs> you know yeah that was yeah light years away <laughs> I'm surprised she made it to be fair she's she's incredible and I'm like oh okay don't know how that happened but okay <laughs> I'll take the credit I think one of the great things I've found about motherhood is how much I've grown as a person and a mother as my children have grown alongside me. The hope for all of us is that even with the challenges of toddlers, teenagers and beyond, as families we can learn to grow together rather than apart. I really enjoyed chatting with Jamelia and I hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the episode with all your friends and followers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide. This has been a Black Ballad production and the theme tune is by Darrell Banks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.